We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, there's Miss Meows. Come here, Goose. Come here. Come co-host with me. Welcome to The Holy Hour, a podcast about sex, relationships, mental health, and everything in between. I'm Amelia Sanson. And I'm Liz Ball. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Holy Hour. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Amelia Sanson. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Liz Ball So Hard. You can also watch us on YouTube or listen ad-free on Patreon at patreon.com slash theholyhour. Check out our merch at theholyhour.com and email us your spicy stories at holyhourpodcast at gmail.com. Hello. It is just Amelia today. No, I'm not crying. You're crying. Uh, Liz is on a trip with Mr. Liz visiting her family. So this week is just going to be a little mini-sode with little old me. And uh, I'm scared. <laughs> Last time I hosted alone, I interviewed Brendan Q, who was, uh, is an OnlyFans creator. And that was... Um, really great. I mean, he's really easy to talk to, but still terrifying. I was like so excited to record today's episode. And then I tried to set up the microphone and that took about 45 minutes and now I'm in a bad mood. (laughs) So that made me even more grateful for Liz than I already was because she is always the one dealing with all of the tech issues. I don't know how she keeps her head from not popping off of her neck, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm learning a lot. This is good. This is what what does my mom call it? Baptism by fire. Because I am not interviewing anybody today, again, this is going to be a mini-sode, there is something that I have been wanting to talk about for a while that's been on my list of topics that just like hasn't come up naturally, and this feels like a perfect time to talk about it for two reasons. So uh, let's just dive on in. (laughs) Taylor Swift is about to go on tour. I am still waiting for my email from the verified fans thing on Ticketmaster to tell me if I'm like can use a code to get tickets early. I've been refreshing my email like a nut job all day. Have not gotten my email yet. Prayers up. If you are unaware or not a Swifty or living under a rock. Also, why is that a saying? Why living under a rock? Can't people just like, like, is that a thing that people do? What's the, what, what's the history of that phrase? Did people used to live under rocks? I don't know. Anyway. Okay. Head in the game, Amelia. <laughs> if you live under a rock, then maybe you don't know that Taylor released all of her old music um, again because she like lost the rights 
to her music or never had the rights to her music. It's a complicated ordeal. But she released a 10-minute version of the song All Too Well, which was on her album Red. And Twitter was set alight about this. It feels like a shared experience, but also like people were shocked that Taylor seems to be still hung up on, not hung up, but like still talking about a three-month relationship that ended a decade ago. And I kept my mouth shut because y'all know, y'all that listen know better than anyone that I get hung up on short-term relationships, like it's going out of style. So I felt very connected to the fact that, you know, she's in her 30s and still writing about this thing that happened when she was 20 with Jake Gyllenhaal, allegedly. So that's, that's one reason for today's topic is like the relevance of um queen taylor about to go on tour and like this re-release of all of these albums that she's had as well as midnights which is a fucking banger not gonna lie i ordered um a signed cd album leaf and i just got it in the mail and i'm like mega hyped but then the other reason that i want to talk about what i'm talking about today is because i recently saw no name if you've been listening for like in the past like six months, No Name is somebody that I dated and I never gave him a name because I was afraid he was going to hurt me and he did <laughs> and he never wanted to. In his defense, like he never gave me any reason to believe that we were ever going to be anything other than just like fuck buddies, but I still got pretty attached to him um, and by giving him No Name, he has a name now, which is No Name, but he reached out to me a few months ago and was like, um, hey, like my life has significantly slowed down. Like if you want to get together sometime soon, which was shocking because when we ended things, he was like, I would still I would still love to stay friends. But like everybody says that that's like something people say to lessen the blow. So I was like, sure, I'm sure I'll be hearing from you. Not really expecting to. And then I did. Um, so him and I went and got drinks and it was very, very platonic. I was shocked at how platonic it felt because last time I had seen him, it was so like emotionally charged that I was like really expecting it to be difficult to see him the first time. And it wasn't. It was like really chill. We just like caught up on stuff. It was it was really, really nice. But we also in that conversation talked about our relationship and what could have gone wrong. And well, not what could have gone, what did go wrong um, and like why it didn't make sense for him and why you know, I was so like into him when it was so obvious what, what, like what a mismatch we were. And he asked me like why I liked him so much. And I was like, I don't, I don't, it's it's just like an intangible thing. And I'm sure some of you listening can understand that sometimes we are into people that's just kind of like, I don't, it just, just was the way that it was. And he's great, obviously, but we weren't ever, we never made sense. (laughs) But then the other thing that he asked me was why, I was so sad when it ended and it got me thinking about today's topic, which is the psychology behind why we tend to get so hung up on such short-term relationships because I have been in relationships that have lasted almost a year that I got over so much faster than relationships that never really even started And it's kind of a frustrating feeling because it's like, Amelia, why? Like, Music Man. How long have I been talking about Music Man, truly? Way too long. And like, him and I were never official, but that relationship fucked me all the way up. And 
I think that it was um, an eye-opening experience for me to see no name because like it, I was able to kind of look at it for the forest and not the trees of, of why I got so or get so hung up on people that um, I never get to see like, you know, to like actually come to fruition, if that makes sense. So this article is in Huffington Post. And it is written by a journalist named Brittany Wong. It's called In Defense of Still Feeling Sad About a Three-Month Relationship. This is a really, really good article. I'm obviously not going to read it word for word, but I encourage you to uh, because it's, I don't know, it's just really interesting. She talks to a few people that have been in short-term relationships. One was even just 72 hours. It was like a Tinder date that he had been on and, and his date just like they had this like incredible 72 hours and then he just got ghosted by this guy. So there's there are like different lengths of relationships in here and these people that she talked to are obviously very sad about these relationships ending. So the journalist talked to a therapist named Liz Higgins. Shout out Liz. We love that name in this household. <laughs> and uh, Liz Higgins said that there's something uniquely different about the end of a short-term relationship because those early days of a relationship is quote-unquote love without knowledge in sort of like an ignorance is bliss kind of way. She said, and I quote, we experience infatuation, so much possibility, and a wide range of the unknown with this person. That short time span is full of opportunities for play, exploration, and connection. We tend to color in what we think that it could be rather than what it is. So like we don't get the context of like fights or like, oh, this person is like really messy or, you know, all of these things that can, you know, color in like context that you have about someone. You don't get any of that really in a short-term relationship. So it's like kind of left off as like a cliffhanger which our brains don't like, which they mention later on in the article as well. So I'll just keep going. The therapist mentioned even in long-term relationships, we often grieve the loss of that initial all-consuming stage of love of a relationship. It's legitimately heady and euphoric to be with someone new and monogamous couples are forever trying to capture it. And then the therapist added, some people define as impactful interactions with others they have only met once. So it would be silly for us to disregard this due to the length of time alone. So like I know at least in my breakup, and obviously this is different because it was like almost a decade long relationship, but I was going back to like that first six months of our relationship so much when I was grieving where I was like, oh, it was so great. And like, we were so happy and everything was so perfect and we just wanted to spend all of our time with each other and blah, 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 blah. Like all of this stuff that like was true and it was so easy for me to like disregard like all of the shit that we had been through because I was like always chasing that initial feeling of the relationship. So when you have a short-term relationship and you have none of the bad shit that follows it. Like, of course you look at it through rose-colored glasses like you would at the beginning of a long-term relationship. It's difficult to let go of something when you have no reason to think that it wasn't the right thing for you. One of the tweets that somebody left about Taylor Swift's 10-minute version of All Too Well, it's Jasmine Melody XX is the, uh, the handle of this person. She said... Why are we trying to act like the three-month relationships weren't the most traumatic ones, which is so real? And this journalist reached out to her, and they chatted. 
And Jasmine Melody said, when you have a long, healthy relationship that just simply runs its course, you're not left wondering what could have happened in the future. Whereas if you have a short but very passionate relationship, you are always wondering what could have been, which I know is the case with me and specifically Music Man. That's the one that I've had a really hard time letting go of that really never even came to fruition because I color in that relationship with what I think that it could have been instead of what it probably would have been, which was not very healthy. And I can look back and I know that now, just based on what I know about myself. But I really like glommed on to that relationship because I never got the answers that I felt like I needed to move on from it. This journalist also talked to another therapist named Sarah Spencer Northey. She said, our culture seems to equate time spent together with the level of explanation and closure you deserve with a breakup, but our brains don't necessarily work like that. Our brains, she explained, are wired to seek closure even for the shortest of connections or love affairs. This therapist pointed to the Zagar, oh gosh, I don't even know, Zagarnik effect, I think is Z-E-I-G-A-R-N-I-K, if you want to look it up yourself, but I think that that's how you say it. So this effect was first studied in the 1920s by Russian psychologist Zagarnik. The psychological phenomenon is the tendency to remember unfinished business better or more through rose-colored glasses than something we've put to bed nicely and relatively patly. When we don't get closure, we feel a bit crazy because our brains are kind of short-circuiting, desperate for a conclusion. It's why stories with cliffhangers and ambiguous endings stick with us longer. Our brain is desperate to complete the narrative. Something that's also worth noting is Taylor Swift's age when she wrote All Too Well. And I know for myself, like a lot of the relationships that I have the hardest time getting over, I'm... I was the youngest during. This article mentions that um, relationships in our teens and early 20s get stored in our still developing extremely neuroplastic brain differently and much more vividly than those from later in life. There's actually a term in psychology for why we dwell and have such intense recollections of our teen and 20-something years, said Alexis Blake, the clinical director of KIPP therapy. It's called the reminiscence bump. I thought this was really interesting and made a whole lot of sense. Our brain pays special attention to new memories, and some of that is because the brain also focuses on memories that help us understand who we are, both of which are frequent experiences during this time of life. This is why it feels so emotionally evocative when you remember even decades later, like details like driving around in your new to you used car, listening to your favorite song in high school. It makes people part of your personal narrative, regardless of whether or not you like it. But this this psychological phenomenon reminiscence bump is also why you can't forget your ex so that's pretty dope (laughs) there's also really like no mystery as to why people are dragging taylor swift for this kind of thing i mean she's been dragged for her relationships her entire professional life for like having too many or whatever the fuck but there's it's very based in misogyny i mean there are male artists that have written entire albums on short-term relationships or divorces or long-term relationships that they've jumped from one to the other and they don't get dragged like she has so I don't know I think personally it's it's pretty harmful to like see all of this criticism about somebody like Taylor Swift still talking about these things a decade later because people I I think that it's a very common experience for people to still be feeling relationships even years later. I mean, like, just because she's bringing it up doesn't mean that she's still, like, crying about it every night. But these are, like, very formative experiences that we have. And I don't know. I think that it's really interesting that there are some explanations. And 
also like shared experiences with all of this. I think that that's really, really interesting Um, and at least helpful for me to see because I have always kind of gaslit myself into thinking that I was being dramatic when I was still feeling sad about something that only lasted a little bit of time. But once I was able to, to see and read and understand that, like, of course, because I never got to see it through and I'm like always going to be wondering, it's like an unrequited love kind of thing. Like, that's why those short term relationships are able to hurt so badly. And in some cases, a lot worse than long term relationships. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We got Miss Meows on the beat. You want to say anything? Nope. She's just going to sit on my lap. We got a listener email that I thought was so fucking funny um, that I'm going to read. It's called Check Your Playlist. Hello, Amelia and Liz. I have been listening to your podcast for a while now and absolutely love you too. We love you too. I recently had an experience that I had to share with the two of you and your listeners if you decide to share. I, 25 female, she, they, was with the guy I have been seeing, 24 male, he, him. He usually turns music on while we're in the bedroom, which I typically don't mind. However, we were going at it and I'm a believer by Smash Mouth, a song in Shrek, came on. I immediately start laughing because I could only think of Shrek as I heard the song. I proceeded to apologize for laughing and explained why. He then started laughing, so the mood was killed, but we laughed about it for about 10 minutes. Moral of the story, check your playlist. 
I fucking love this for multiple reasons. The first of which is like way, way, way back when we first started this podcast, I was dating a guy that we would call the comedian and we had a shared playlist (laughs) and he would put that song on the playlist like more than once. He would just like drop it in like four times and just like scramble it around the playlist. And I thought it was so fucking funny. But also there was this thing on TikTok for a while. Um, It was like one of those Reddit posts where like it's just like a robot voice reading a Reddit post um, about this guy who like had a sex playlist that his girlfriend absolutely hated and she didn't tell him for a while. The song is by Hudson Mohawk. Um, It's called Seabat. Here is the um, the video talking about that playlist. Apologies for the robotic voice. It's obviously just one of those like text-to-speech voices, so it's kind of like monotonous. But the song is at the end of the video, and this just it tells the story better than I could tell it. But holy shit, here it is. Today I messed up. My girlfriend of two years told me the music that I play while making love is weird and a major turn off. A little backstory. When I first started making love I researched into ways to be better as I was a little stiff and pretty much had no idea what I was doing. I read online that you can play music and match the rhythm in order to put on a better performance. I searched love making songs and started slowly creating a playlist in which I was comfortable matching the rhythm. There are a few songs to my playlist, but it's one song in particular, which actually happens to be my favorite, that my girlfriend hates and say turns her off in a major way. I don't understand why it has taken her two years to tell me she hates that song. It's a good love making song with good rhythm. I feel the way I messed up is I could have possibly asked her previously if she likes the playlist or any songs she'd like to add or change, but to leave it for two years thinking our love making life is great but in her eyes has been ruined by my music has left the whole situation feeling awkward and I'm a bit annoyed. I pretty much played this tune every single time so the amount of time she must have not been enjoying it, when I thought the complete opposite is annoying but also embarrassing in ways, not to mention my previous partners, however they never complained about the song so maybe it's just her. It's messed up the relationship to be honest because making love feels awkward now. The other day we were making love with no music but I was still thrusting to the tune playing in my head. She recognized this and asked me to stop. I thought this song was perfect and I always thrust along with the tune and feel it gives me the perfect rhythm for doing the deed too. I usually bust to this song and find it devastating she hates the song. Here is that song. That whole conversation got me thinking about how specific a sex playlist is to the individual because obviously there's like the standard like The Weeknd and Bryson Tiller, like those like sensual slow jams sex songs. But more than once I have been like in a scramble to like put on music during sex and I'll just like play one of these random Spotify playlists and it is just not the jam. (laughs) Like it's so interesting because like these songs should be, should translate well to sex, but like every sexual encounter is different. Sometimes you want like that slow jams kind of music and other times like it feels really corny to have that kind of thing playing. But on that note, I wanted to remind y'all that me and Liz have a sex playlist. Um, It is linked in our link tree. It's not me and Liz's sex, like, you know what I mean. Me and Liz curated this sex playlist um, and it's in uh, our link tree. It's pretty good. I have bunged to it in the past and uh, no notes. But with that said, obviously it's different person to person. I just said that. So uh, I would be interested to know what 
I think once I post this, I'm going to put a poll on our Instagram of what like what your your favorite kind of music is to have sex to because I I really there is kind of like the stereotypical kind of jam, but then there are other other things that just always kind of catch me off guard that people fuck to. Even though this is a mini sode, I couldn't end the episode without my favorite segment, Sex Fact of the Week. Obviously not as gorgeous of a harmony without the harmony, but thank you for sticking with me there. <laughs> Astroglide, the lube, posted three weird sex facts on their blog, and they are, uh, they're, they're interesting. The first one is that you can't buy dildos in Alabama. Which, I don't know why that surprises me, but it does. It says, thinking of visiting the heart of Dixie, just make sure you pack plenty of sex toys because you can't buy them in Alabama. While it's hard to believe, Alabama still has a law on the books that bans the sale or purchase of, quote, any device designed or marketed as useful primarily for the stimulation of human genital organs, unquote. Violators face a maximum fine of $20,000, the possibility of up to one year in jail or even 12 months of hard labor. What the fuck? In short, you can buy bullets, but you can't buy the bullet, is what it says. I thought that was, you know, funny. We have to laugh so we don't cry. While the state's Anti-Obscenity Enforcement Act has been challenged multiple times, including in a federal suit brought by the American Civil Liberties Union, it's still the law in Alabama. The good news is Alabama residents can legally cross state lines and stock upon as many dildos and French ticklers as their hearts desire. The toys just can't be sold or purchased within the state. Damn. I I always say the South is like a different country. It really feels like a different country than like what we have up, up in Seattle. That's just hard to believe, but also easy to believe. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I don't know which one it is. The second fact is oral sex was illegal in Canada until 1969. As Sarah Aspler at BuzzFeed reports, Canadian law prohibited homosexual acts and sodomy, which included oral and anal sex under the statute until 1969. So it took them long enough, but at least they eventually came around, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I wonder if that was on purpose that they did that in 1969. How many years ago was 1969? 1969, in the year 2022, 1969 was 53 years ago. That is not that long ago. It was illegal up until then in Canada. By contrast, the United States didn't toss out its oral sex laws until 2003 when the Supreme Court struck down on anti-sodomy laws in 14 states in Lawrence versus Texas. Wow. Wow. I mean, I was, pre- I was 10 when that happened, but I didn't realize that it, I didn't realize that it got rid of the anti-sodomy laws that recently. And again, I say the South is a different fucking world. All right. The final fact is vaginas grow with arousal. Guys aren't the only ones who wrestle with the eternal debate of grower versus shower. According to Dr. Debbie Hebernick at Kinsey Confidential, a person's vagina can almost double in length when they're aroused, a process called vaginal tenting. During sexual excitement, muscular tension pulls the uterus upward, which has the effect of making the vagina both longer and wider. Now, instead of being three to four inches in length, the vagina may reach approximately five to six inches in length. Dr. Hebernick notes that vaginal tenting may explain why someone feels tighter to their partner during intercourse. We've mentioned that a few times, but that was the third fact that they shared. If you ever come across any interesting sex facts, please, please, please feel free to email them to us at holyhourpodcast at gmail.com. We love this shit, obviously, and we love, we're always learning. We always say we're not experts. So if you ever come across anything that's interesting or if you've come across anything that's interesting in the past that can be backed up by like an article, 
um, or just like any book or anything that um, we could share, please, please, please share it. I live for it. And I'm certain Liz does too. All right. So Liz will be back next week. Um, Again, I know this is a really short, this is like the holy half hour, but um, I don't know how people host podcasts by themselves, y'all. This is weird talking to myself. (laughs) But we'll talk to y'all next week. I am so excited to have Liz back. I fucking hate this. I love you so much, my children. Oh man, it's just not the same. Okay, bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.